Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. Anybody that wants to do do theater, you can write your own theater, get involved in an improv group, take a class. There's so many things you can do. If the, Every town has a church. Every church has a basement, and you can put on little plays in the basement of the church. Anyone can do it. Welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. I am so, so happy today, so excited because my guest today is Andy Dick. And if you know anything about Andy Dick, you know that the road is never less traveled. The road is never pretty. There are always bumps in the road. There are always potholes, but in the end, you always get to your destination in a uniquely better place. But as I look at Andy Dick, I think to myself one thing. I am reminded of an NBA Hall of Fame basketball player named Dominic Wilkins. His nickname, the Human Highlight Film. And when I look at Andy Dick, All I can think about is here is a guy who every frame, every frame of every single television program film that this guy has ever been on is magic. It's an incredible thing to sit across from somebody who every moment is a holy shit moment. Every single thing this guy does is laugh out loud funny. And I think to myself, why certain artists are where they are today? Could they be in a different place? What would happen if things went a different way? And when I look at Andy, it's no secret. He's had trouble with the law. He's had trouble on productions. He's been arrested several times. He's gone to rehab 
maybe 20 different times. But yet, when he gets in front of the camera, it's extraordinary. And I think to myself, if the world and the industry never knew any of the things that have happened in Andy's personal life, and they were to just judge him on the performances that he gives in the shows that he's been on and the movies that he's been a part of, he'd probably be one of the greatest comedy actors that we'd be talking about of our generation or any generation. And I can guarantee you, I could have Will Ferrell in front of me, I could have Ben Stiller in front of me, I could have Judd Apatow in front of me, and I know they would all say the exact same thing. Andy's a guy who I've known my whole career, many times that I've known him and been a part of his life, and I've also represented him for a portion of his career. You see a person who's struggling, who's sometimes fighting for life, fighting against forces that are sometimes greater than himself. But I think the thing that I love about Andy is every time something goes bad or goes wrong, he takes the steps necessary to help get himself better and back on track again. Whereas many of his peers never were able to do that and lost their lives very early in their careers. So if there's one thing I learn and I think about when I look at Andy, we all have demons. We all have things that we're struggling with, but it's easy to let these things derail your career, especially when you're talented. Sometimes we let these demons get in our way and they take us down. I think Andy would be the first one to tell you to fight off these demons vehemently, but if by chance you can't fight the demons all the time, you should hope that you have the kind of relationships that Andy has, people who will accept the fact that he slipped, but are respectful of the fact that he's gone forward and taken steps to change that pattern and to move forward in a better direction. And I think if anybody out there listening is suffering, you know what you have to do. You know the steps you have to take to get better. And if you're creating the kind of moments in your profession that Andy Dick creates in his, I can guarantee you, you'll have the kind of amazing career that he's had. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Uh, undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Out of the air! Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. I want to go way, way back if you don't mind. So I want to know where you grew up, what the dynamic was financially, your parents, what they were like, what they did for a living, and the first time you found out you were adopted and how it affected you. Always knew I was adopted from day one. I was adopted from the hospital. They had filled out the paperwork while I was still in the womb. 
And there was a book laying around the house called The Chosen Child, which was a children's book describing what adoption was. Like, look, you were chosen. You're special because we actually picked you from thousands of babies. We said, we want that one. So you're a wanted, loved thing. But that didn't trick this one here. I knew there's like the opposite. Like if there's a couple that wants me, what about the couple that there's that didn't want me? What what like it, I, I get it. That's a cute little book you guys wrote. But who? What about the ones that that kicked me to the curb? Where are they and why? And that that just haunted me my whole life till I found them. How old were you when you made the search to find them? Well, I asked my mom when I was a teenager. I said, "Do you know anything about the you know my?" biological mother and my biological father. Yeah. We know that your your mom was 16 and it wasn't right to be pregnant back in 1965. So you were conceived in Lubbock, Texas, but they shipped you off. They shipped her off to when I was inside of her to Charleston, South Carolina. She had me there, put me up for adoption there. Then she moved back to Lubbock. And your dad was a bricklayer and an amateur boxer. How old was he? I guess he was in his early 20s. And he was um, a Golden Gloves boxer in five states. And I said, I, I, I'd like to like go. I'd like, can I go look for them or how can I go find them? And my mom just started crying. She just starts. She's like, <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. Never mind, never mind. I don't care. It just it was it's like a curiosity. You're my mom, and that's my dad. So don't you know what? Forget I even asked. I uh, just just forget it. And I and I didn't ask, or you know, I would probably think about it, but I didn't do anything about it until they died. My mom, my dad died when I was about 27. My mom died a few years later, both of cancer. Then I was left with a hole. Were you there? I was there for both of them. I always talk about this Larry Moss, the great acting coach, says in order to be a great artist, you have to have a hole blown through you. Your art fills the hole. That's true. And then later in your life, you got to figure out how to fill the hole without the art. There was a book I read called The Primal Wound about being adopted. And it said that. It said you have a hole that you have a hole in your soul. And, and in the book, they said, you'll never fill it. You'll, you're, you're not going to get better. There's nothing you can do. And so I'm thinking, well, why the fuck am I reading this book? <laughs> I put it down. I didn't even read one sentence further. In the, in the preface of the book, this woman described, her therapist said, write a letter to your biological mother, but write it with your left hand because it accesses a different part of your brain the more like human or emotional or animal or whatever, whatever side it, it accesses a more primal side that's more real. So she, you know, cause if, if you, if you don't write with your left hand. And so she started writing the letter to her mom and she just wrote, dear mommy, please come and get me. So, I mean, that hit me. It doesn't hit you. You're not adopted. But I just started crying. I could not get through that book. So you always want to meet your biological mom. What do you do to make it happen? What are the steps that you took? 
my lawyer somehow got in touch with it was a it was a closed sealed adoption okay so somehow he found the lawyer that handled my adoption in 1965 now he was a retired judge out in South Carolina they somehow fucking found him the assistant said cuz i was on tv i was on news radio they're like oh this could be fun the assistant thought it would be fun to they said yeah well the papers are sealed up somewhere in my garage and he went into the garage and there's thousands of documents and this guy went through all the fucking documents found mine found who my mom was who my dad was and i reached out to them reached out to my mom first met up with her we saw, I, I flew her out here. We saw whales. First and only time I've seen whales was with my mother. I thought I was going to fill a hole. I thought I was going to be, everything's going to be great now. I'm, I'm not going to have a drinking problem. I'm going to be happy again and forever. Everything's going to be great. I'm going to have a new mother. No, she, she wasn't my mom. I loved my mom and I loved my dad. This was just a woman. I'm like 30 something now. Or, or however old I was. And it's just some woman. But we had a great, some great moments where we're crying. And she told me stories like, I never, th this helped. She said, I never wanted to give you up. You were getting to be famous. Did she have any idea that the guy she was watching was you? No, she didn't. So I had this like, oh, now you want to be in my life. I, had, I, I still have that. It's not even real. Because she probably just, she really does. She, I guess I was born and the nurses held her eyes and ran me out of the room because if, I guess if you lock on, if you, the, the mother sees the child, they will change their mind and be like, no, I'm going to keep the baby. You know, it can be like that dramatic. So they, to this day, she told me that if anybody covers her eyes, she goes ballistic because of that moment. And she said, there's not a day that went by that she didn't think of me. And all so those things kind of helped, I guess, but doesn't. But really, they grew up super poor. She uh, would have been. Uh, she was single. The guy. She and I said okay. And then after getting to know her for a couple months, I said, "Can I? What about? Can I? Do you know the dad? The biological? Do you know him? Yeah, I know who he is. Well, I'd like to. Let's meet up with him." Let's find him. Can you do you have his number? Do you know his name? Do you can you do that? Because all we had was her. We didn't have the guy. That's right. The lawyer didn't have that. And she said, No, no, I'm not gonna give you his number. He's not a good person. Right? Well, then I got mad at her. Like, what you're the one that fucked him. I mean, I didn't say this, but like, <laughs> can I be the judge of that? I want and I just stopped talking to her. I'm like, I wanna fucking meet him. I don't care if he's a good guy in your eyes. Let me be the judge. So we didn't talk for a long time until finally she sent me a letter and then in in very dramatically in a folded up piece of paper I had to open it up. There, It was his name and number. I'm like, oh. Okay. So I called him up. Hi, my name is Andy Dick. I think I might be your son. I don't have a son. Click. What? called back no 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 because i was adopted i said i don't have to click like ooh, maybe my biological one was right he's not a good guy because because i guess it was a, i might have been the product of a rape it might have been 
I don't know the exact details. Anyhow, I said my name a few times, and I guess he did some research, found out who I was, then I got a call. Yeah, this is Ronnie Morgan. I think, yeah, now, so you're saying you're my son. Like, yeah, I mean, that's what Lynn Tomlinson said, that you're the guy that impregnated her. Yeah, but see, I no, now, there she could have been impregnated by anyone. No, because she said you were the only one that she had ever slept with. She was a virgin. Okay, so then you're my son. Well, that's what, I mean, that's what everyone's saying. All right, all right, well, I understand you're on TV. And then I went right into, okay, now you, and I hated him immediately. But I flew him out, was hanging out with him in this really great place I was living in. He, I, I remember him right within minutes, he's looking around and sizing up the place going, so how much is a place like this worth? Like, just, you know, I just get back on the plane, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. So over you. And it's just been, it didn't fill a hole. It created another one. <laughs> it's horrible. It's the worst. Did they look like you? Yeah. Sadly. <laughs> they do. He also doesn't have shoulders. Which one of them had the cleft chin? Oh, I don't think either of them. But the grandfather did. The grand, I think I look more, almost more like him. So you're growing up as a teenager. What's the inspiration for getting into show business. What moves you that you're watching? I wasn't watching TV, wasn't watching a lot of movies. I would see the occasional Don Knotts movie, believe it or not. I would see, I saw the Apple Dumpling Gang. I would love the Disney movies, you know, the the Shaggy DA, the strongest man in the world. I would see, go see those. And my mom accidentally, mis- she, she mistakenly, I guess you would say, took me to Jaws. When I was nine or ten, that's that's child abuse. I was a ten-year-old. I thought I was a big, strong man, but in the parking lot on the way to the car, I said, "Mom, will you please hold my hand?" I was so scared, like shark was going to jump out between the cars. She didn't know how fucking scary it was going to be. She was a little bit out of it. She was an alcoholic. She might have been drunk. Who knows? Your but, dad an alcoholic? No, but he did drink beer. Your biological mom and biological dad alcoholics? My dad is. He'll. Yeah, he'll he'll call. I could read you some of his time. We're still in contact, but now he's like, I toy with him. He's just like a character in my life that I fuck with. Do you believe that the genes carry on in addiction? Yeah, I do. How come your kids have been relatively okay? Love. They got so much love from me and their mother's. I didn't. That was one of the things. So you didn't get love as a child, but you gave love. You turned the tables. Yeah. I also did a lot of work on myself. You know that. I did every discipline known to man. I still do transcendental meditation, except when I'm drinking. Because candy is dandy, but liquor is quicker. <laughs> really, <laughs> liquor is like you're meditating all the fucking time. Wait, no, but, I, but you were saying something about... The inspiration. Oh, that's what I was going to say, is that, no, I didn't watch... A lot of TV. I didn't watch any TV. I would watch my mom and dad. Here's the one thing that I realized over the years. I watched my dad watch TV. So I'm not watching the show, but I'm watching my dad. And my dad would laugh and slap his knee. (laughs) I do that now. When I laugh, I hit my knee. What was he watching? MASH. All in the family. The Jeffersons. But I loved that he... 
was he was laughing. It wasn't like him to laugh. So I saw the power of TV, but I wasn't watching TV. So, and I saw the power of laughter. I know this is where it happened. And when I was six years old, the girls in the neighborhood put me and my brother, but mostly me, because my brother, like I told you earlier, was so shy. I kind of was liking it. They were they would do these these shows for the neighborhood parents for the parents, and they would write these scenes. So basically, I was in some kind of preschool second city in Connecticut doing these shows where every all the parents would sit on lawn chairs in the front yard, and we'd put on these shows starring me as a six year old, and I loved it because the parents would laugh like my dad laughed at the Jeffersons, you know? And I'm like, oh. And I remember my dad, I would, I told my dad, I think I'm gonna be an actor. He went, okay, okay. Um, just make sure when you go to college, you get a really good degree. Probably not that, with enacting, something that we're, that you can fall back on when the acting thing doesn't work out. When the acting thing doesn't work out. I'm like, oh, wow, he really, really believes in me. Then as he's dying on the hospital bed, I had gotten a couple jobs. He was dying. He opened up to me towards the end of his life. He opened up to me and he said a phrase to me that tripped me out because he had never said, I love you ever. And I don't, I'm not mad about that. That's just how it was growing up. Never said, never hugged me, never said I love you. But he, he did uh, est back in the 70s. For those of you who don't know, EST is Earhart Seminar Training. It's something like Landmark. It is Landmark. Landmark was EST. And then all of a sudden, he really came home with this whole different person. I didn't recognize him. I'm like, who is this guy? And he had me in the car, and the doors were locked. And he said, he, he said I want you to know something. I want you to know that I love you. Ooh, it was so uncomfortable for me. But then he said, but I also want you to know that I know that you love me. I'm like, ooh, what are... Who is this person? He cracked open and became this affectionate, loving guy and died six months later. Right when we started having a relationship, he died. And, on, and, and in the hospital room on his deathbed, he had my head shot up. And he was telling, this is my son, the actor. He didn't sound like that. I don't. Well, Your mom tell you she loved you? I mean, when they were dying. Yeah, It just wasn't a thing we did. It wasn't a sad thing. I wasn't like crying in my room. I wish they would tell me they loved me. It was just how it was. I knew they loved me. They were great. We just didn't, they didn't hug me or pet me. How many times a day do you tell your children that you love them? All day. And they tell you too. Yeah. But that just shows you. It doesn't, actions are louder, speak louder than words. You know, they really do. Like sometimes like just when I was leaving to go here, I'm like, bye, I love you. See you later. And sometimes it just becomes like a phrase. It becomes like, like, bye. See you later. Bye. You know? <laughs> so it was almost like when they said that I love you finally, when I was like 27, it actually meant something. But you know what I mean? When he finally said it, it was, it was, it blew me over. So, so my point is, don't tell your kids you love them till, you know, till they hit like 20, 21, then hit them with it. Then it means something. 
So tell me the first thing that happened in your entertainment life where you said to yourself, I'm never doing anything else again. High school. We moved to Joliet, Illinois, and I was always bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. That was the cry of the Andy Dickey bird. Why'd you move around so much? My dad was in the Navy. Then he worked on, he was a nuclear engineer, and he was a lieutenant commander on submarines, but then he, he quit that. Well, he retired from the Navy, didn't quit, retired from the Navy, then worked at Westinghouse as a nuclear engineer, training people how to work these nuclear power plants. And whenever they'd build a new one, we'd go and fly there. We lived in Yugoslavia for a whole year when they built their first, probably their only nuclear power plant. He taught them how to use it. And then now we moved to, he was working at the Braidwood nuclear power plant. And we lived an hour away in Joliet. And, you know, me, I'm always, I was always bored. I'm bored. Oh, well, your high school, your new high school, they would always move in the middle of the year because they heard in through books or psychiatrists that moving in the middle of the year is best for the children because they're immediately thrown into school as opposed to moving during the summer and they're just alone sitting at home, you know, there's no one around here. You get thrown into the school and there's just kids everywhere and you make friends immediately and they said, your school, your high school, they're doing a show. They're doing Hello, Dolly. It's a musical. I had never seen a musical, never seen a play. And no, I had seen one play once in, in uh, at Gateway in Monroeville, the school I went to right before Juliet, Gateway High School in outside of Pittsburgh. So my mom took me eight o'clock. I'm sitting in the audience. This is trippy because the play I saw in Pittsburgh, it was a theater in the round. There was no curtains and it was very experimental and weird. And the only thing I remember is that somebody had a glass eye. One of the characters, it was fake, but it, that had popped out and was rolling across. That's all I remember from that play. But here the curtains go, the lights go down and the curtains open up. And you know how high schools have these, they have very nice theaters. They're like, Broadway theaters or off-Broadway theaters. They're very nice auditorium theaters that can seat a thousand people. So the curtains open up. The costumes were so vibrant and colorful and the lights are so crazy and they're singing and dancing. And I was so overwhelmed because this is like, you know, my plays were when I was six, people were in lawn chairs in, in the daytime and there was no real costume. It was like, this was like, took it to another level. I, I was, I was, I, I couldn't breathe. And I, I, I had to stand up within minutes and just leave the theater and wander the empty halls. I remember this wandering the empty halls, knowing that this was my destiny. I said, I want to be, I want to be up there. I just want to do it. Tell our audience what you perceived to be your first break in show business. Once again, in high school, I was auditioning for every fucking play, and I would always get some weird little thing. The, the teachers would always take me aside and, and encourage me. They were very good at what they did. They would say, you kind of can't sing, Andy, so we can't put you in the lead, but there's this one non-singing part that's comic relief. We, can you, we want you to do that. And I'd be like, wow. They want me. There is a place for me. And when I when I saw the Second City ETC show, that's the first time I said, 
you know, there is really a place for me in this, like, cause my, cause I'm, I'm offbeat and weird. And the second city is one thing, but the second city ETC out back, the littler show was even weirder and, and, um, obscene and alternative. And, um, uh, so I was, I put myself out there and I put myself out there in a big way. I got headshots. I got, I got, Harice Davidson, the agent, and I was putting myself out there. Oh, the the first time I knew that that I that I that I might actually make it was when I was in Oliver, and I had one of those non-speaking funny parts, and we had Anthony Rapp playing Oliver. Anthony Rapp's one of the original cast members of Rent. And he's Oliver. We befriended each other. We were like making scenes and doing videos outside of school a lot. And he had played Oliver on Broadway. And now he's in our school. And I'm like, I'm like one ass hair away from Broadway. I wasn't at all. But, and I never have been on Broadway. But, and I, but I'd like to be. But he was in our play as Oliver, which was a big to-do because they're like, you can't have, he, he was, he was, we got to have a nut, somebody who, who's inexperienced. This isn't fair. But I'm like, what do you mean? Don't you want to do a good show? This, the, he's the best. He was Oliver. Come on. What's fucking wrong with you? So I did my little stupid part. And his mother, so his mother, who recognized her own son's talent, may she rest in peace, by the way, Mary Rapp, she came up to me and said, Andy, you know, that part that you do, I've seen people do that on Broadway. And you're... 17 and you do it way better than anyone I've ever seen. You've got to pursue this as a career. I t- I've taken that her saying that to me because she was a, an expert. She knew what she was talking about. And I've ridden that wave all the way to now. Hey everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey everybody, I've talked a lot about AquaTrue on this show, the amazing water purification system that's literally a miniature water cooler in your home that purifies the water in a way that no one else has ever figured out how to do. It's this incredibly efficient piece of equipment, and it gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. 
You just take it out of the box, plug it in, put your tap water in it, and it takes out all the bad chemicals and gives you the best and healthiest water you can ever imagine, saving you thousands of dollars each year from buying bottled water in the store. I have one at my house and office, and everyone who uses it orders one, and you should too. Just go to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, and if you act now, you can get $100 off and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had, and never waste another dollar buying bottled water again. I just want to share another groundbreaking product with you. It's a revolutionary air purifier that will change the way your home operates. And I'm talking about the Air Doctor. The air inside our home can be up to a hundred times more polluted than the air outside. But with the Air Doctor, you don't have to worry about it as it removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and so many other contaminants that circulate throughout our homes. Till now, the only thing that could come close to this product were systems that cost thousands of dollars. But now you can get the Air Doctor for a fraction of the cost, normally $600. And if you don't believe me, check Amazon. But for a limited time, I can give you 50% off and save you $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your home. I'm telling you, I have this product. It really, really works. So get one now and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air you can ever imagine. Six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention the name of somebody. Tell me whatever comes to mind. It could be a word, a sentence, a story. Judd Apatow. One of the biggest believers in in me he said something to me once when i was kind of apologizing for being such a fuck up with the drugs and alcohol and he said andy i love you either way and that doesn't happen you know most of my friends are like i only love you when you're sober a lot of people say that i will only love you sober so Judd Apatow, to this day, you know, he's the one that gave me a part in love on Netflix. I know you just interviewed the Netflix guy. I love Netflix. Thank God for Netflix. Just so much good stuff to watch. That Lemony Snicket's show is so fucking good. Who is that? Barry Sonnenfeld, executive producer and director. It's so good. Um, but I, I could go on and on and on about Judd because he gave me my first job, the Ben Stiller show. And you asked me that question, when did I think I made it? It was then. I, I had been in L.A. for like three to five years, and I was just starting to think what I'm going to do. I was thinking about my dad. What am I going to fall back on? Maybe I could be a teacher because that's kind of like acting. You know, I'm in front of a kind of an audience. They're, they're, they have to listen. I could do that. I was starting to think, maybe I'll move back to Chicago. When Ben Stiller said, hey, I'm doing this show on Fox. It's a variety show. I want you in it. You, Bob Odenkirk, and, and Janine Garofalo. You three and me. Let's do it. I'm like, yeah, great. Call me when, call me when you're rolling. <laughs> like, I didn't even believe him. I was so jaded by then. And then it really happened. And Judd was the head writer. He was the producer. I just love that guy. He's heart of gold. 
and a comedy mogul. Howard Stern. Next. I can't say anything right. No matter what I say about Howard, I get in trouble. Are you stirring the pot here? No, I want you to tell me what you think of him as an artist. He's I. Never a big fan. Never. What's the funny part? I don't, I just, I never got it. Just a guy talking. He's got a really deep voice. He sounds great. He's silky smooth. You know, but he's got that microphone. That's like a $100,000 microphone. If I was talking to that, I'd sound fucking smooth as silk. See his mic and the other, he, he's got this fucking thing and it makes him sound really good. And then his guests have this tiny little, hello. Like he's interviewing Minnie Mouse. Some of my favorite moments of you are your interviews that you did with Howard. They were some of the most amazingly funny. I've never listened to radio like that before. Because he, 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 he's good at that. He's good at letting people be themselves. And he does gravitate towards freaks. And you could argue that I'm a freak. And, you know, he's got those midgets and the, the just, excuse my language, I don't know the right PC word. Little people. Retard. Uh, or, and retarded and retarded midgets. Special needs. You know, I think they even, he had a retarded midget. I know both those words are a not. A special right. needs little person. Yeah, a special needs <laughs> little person. <laughs> That's probably right. How you were on that show was groundbreaking. Incredible. Yeah. He was smart. Thanks. He was smart to let people. Want. He didn't look at his movie, Private Parts. He's the king of all media because he, he's a radio disc jockey. Number one, his book, Private Parts, was number one, New York Times bestseller. And then his movie, Private Parts, was number one. That's why he's called the king of all media. And he if you watch his movie, which is great with Paul Giamatti as the station manager yelling, you can't say that. He didn't care. You know, he does transcendental meditation. He's he got to a place where he just doesn't care. And he's like, this is what people want. They want it to be real. They want real, real, real. So so in that respect, he's very good at what he does because he he just brought real people on. He kept it real. But if you look at him, if you took all the people around him away and it was just him doing a monologue or whatever, I don't know how interesting it would be. It's just some guy. Seth MacFarlane. Well, I love Seth. He's great. He's funny. He's a great guy. Done well for himself. <laughs> I did have a problem when, because he puts me on Family Guy. And that's me when you see Andy Dick and they're like, oh, they made fun of you on Family Guy. No, I, that was me. I was me. I wrote the line. You know, there's usually one or two lines only. Like I improvise. That's me. That's my voice. But then... There's a show, American Dad, and they had the Andy Dick character. You know about that? Yeah, but it wasn't you. It wasn't me. It was Nick Kroll. Like, I told him, I'm like, look, if you, you know, I'll play me. I, I do the best me. <laughs> but, but I will tell you, Nick did a damn good job. <laughs> it was, I laughed my ass off. and But people think it's me. They're like, you were so fucking funny on American Dad. I'm like, yeah, it wasn't me. It was a Nick Kroll. It's almost like Nick Kroll did it better me. Jack Black. Thought about him recently. I think, I think all these things and people you're mentioning, I think about on a daily basis. Thought about Jack yesterday. For I went into a whole reverie about him because we were so close. 
before he hit it with Tenacious D, he and I were going on stage. He was doing Tenacious D. Then I then we came up with this weird side thing called Hellacious A. <laughs> Hellacious. And, and we, you know, we would go on and, you know, I was always busy on TV shows, but he really took Tenacious D and, you know, made it always bugged me that he, I was never in any of the movies. And it was sad to me. Arrest in the versus rehab. Oh, they go hand in hand. Usually you get arrested and the judge, what they, what they order is for you to go to rehab. So, you know, I learned to, to just over the years to just beat the system and just go to rehab before you get arrested. But you can't always predict that it's you you kind of have to know yourself like uh oh i'm starting to have that kind of behavior where i don't give a shit so i better go into rehab before i do something that'll get me arrested ben stiller another great man a great fan of andy dick he was my number one and first big fan and i owe my whole career to ben my whole career Oh, that is why Harris Davidson said, I encourage you to go to L.A. because I did a short film that I auditioned for. In fact, a friend of mine, Jeff Kahn, we were both working at D.B. Kaplan's in the Water Tower of Chicago. I was He was an actual waiter. I looked up to him because he was a waiter getting tips and I was working in the, I was a delivery guy. So I was just this like lowly delivery guy. It's the, it's, the, it's like that and busboy. Even busboy was better than what I did. I had to run around town delivering food, not always getting a tip. But I could stop into my agents in between deliveries and say, don't forget about me, Harry Davidson. And I would have the food. I'd have food. I would, I would stop in there first before I deliver the food. But um, Jeff Kahn recommended that I audition for this short film for Ben. And Jeff wanted that part. He's just like, yeah, you should. I, I saw him. Jeff Kahn and Ben Stiller were going down the down escalator. I was going up to work. And I did something funny. And then Ben said, what if we just audition him? And Jeff's like, yeah, you should. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll get you guys in touch. But I know that, 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 that was the, I was the bane of Jeff's existence because I got the part. And Jeff didn't. And he remained a waiter at D.B. Kaplan's. No, he actually became a big writer and he's doing very well now. But but that part in this weird little short film called Elvis Stories, John Cusack's in it, Ben Stiller. I, my scene is with Ben Stiller and it's very funny. And that's what how he remembered me for the Ben Stiller show. And after the Ben Stiller show, honestly, the rest is history. I got with Brillstein Gray. They said, do you want to do Saturday Night Live? Because they want you. I said, no, there's another one. I said, no. Out of fear, I said, I, can't, I could never do that many characters live. Now I could. Now I'm calling them at 51. I'm saying, I, can I do it, please? Now I want to. I have the confidence now. Your proudest moment in show business? <sighs> Seeing my daughter do it. Really. She's doing these short films lately. And I see myself in her like she's loving it so much she's like dad can we shoot one today she wakes me up this morning saying can i post that one that we shot when we got our haircut yesterday 
Can I post it now? Like, maybe we should wait. It. No, go. Yeah, post it now because then it'll make us do another one quicker. Like she's she has she's I'm finding the love of it again through her, and she's fucking good. She's better than me. She's 19. She's a firecracker, funny as fuck. Go look at her little things, Meg Dick. Although she couldn't get Meg Dick, she has to, she had to get the name Meg S. Her middle name is Sage Dick. So Meg's, so it's Meg's Dick. <laughs> she hates it, but that's that's her name on social media, Meg's Dick. And she posts these fucking little films that are so fucking funny. And she writes them, directs them, edits them. She knows how to edit. Seeing her do it better than I did it at her age, at least, is makes me more proud than anything that I've ever accomplished. Your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level. Well, the disappointment part happened years later because at the time there's there's the two the two big ones are that I said no to Zoolander and that I said no to Saturday Night Live. At the time it was the right thing to do. There were some things going on in my life for the Zoolander. I just couldn't take something on like that. And and Saturday Night Live, I was just afraid. So I probably really not probably could not have done it because I was so afraid. But I just wish I would have just fucking buckled down and bared down did it both of them but then again maybe then i would skyrocket through the roof and get way because what what has happened because i didn't say i've never been a big fucking star you know that i've never been in a big hit never every movie i do it's like hmm that was okay you know, there's some big movies like Old School or Road Trip and some funny movies, but I'm always a smaller character. And any movie that I star in is like kind of mediocre and not that great. So it has kept me kind of humble and hungry to, you know, I'm, I got to have a, some big movie at some point, right? I'd like to win an Oscar. You can. Last question. What advice do you have for the young artist? Maybe their family life. They were going from town to town and they just wanted to figure out how to have the kind of career that you've had. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't listen to other people. Everyone else is going to shit on you. If there's one person out there that says, I like what you're doing, hang on to that. There was for every one person that liked what I was doing. There was 20 people saying, give it up, dude. So don't listen to those people. Listen to your heart. And then go for it in your community because you, the, the young people are probably trapped in, in their family life. They're not going to move out of Pittsburgh anytime soon. So get involved. Go look for your community theater. Be an intern at the local radio station. I did that. I was, a, I was actually a DJ at my college from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. Anything that gets you out there in front of the public kind of. This is just this is for actors and whatever, but you can apply it any, to anything. Get internships. Just get involved. Don't sit on your fucking ass and go, I can't wait to be famous. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. You've got to get out there. Get out there. Go to your community theater. You don't have a community theater? Guess what? Fucking start one. Go, I'm going to start a little community theater. I have this play. Like, I'm doing a play called Tape. It was a movie that uh, Richard Linkletter directed with Ethan Hawke, and I can't remember who else. Be and I'm doing it because, and I already have actors rehearsing, and I'm directing it. I'm doing it because I can do it at my art gallery. I have an art gallery at the East Town Lofts. 
6201 Hollywood Boulevard, around back on Nederlander Way. It's number 3016, and it's called Deek. D, small letter D, little I with an umlaut, two dots, and then C-K, Deek. And it's my gallery, and we're doing tape there because tape takes place in in about an hour all in one room, in a hotel room. So it's kind of just an easy production. Anybody that wants to do, do theater, you can write your own theater, get involved in an improv group, take a class. There's so many things you can do. If the, Every town has a church. Every church has a basement. And you can put on little plays in the basement of the church. Anyone can do it. Andy Dick, thank you so much. You have been so awesome. Amazing. Thanks. Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message. And one of these people will be a lucky winner. And they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on Nicking, February 15, 2018. Heading reads, great show, five stars, and the comment is, wonderful interview with Heather McDonald. Keep the female comedians a-coming. I appreciate the feedback. It means a lot. You are a winner. And that wraps up part two of our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with Wondery. Check out their lineup of some of the greatest podcasts in the world at Wondery.com. And Aquatrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code BEAR and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I Killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKillJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life and instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And Good Company, an extraordinary web series on YouTube that host Scott Bowling created, where you can watch music interviews with incredible artists talking openly about their journey in the music business. If you like a great in-depth music interview where you can hear about each album in chronological order and what the artist experienced along the way, this is the show for you. Interviews with incredible talents like Michael Sweet from Striper, Clinton Lejean from Seven Dust, Brian Head Welsh from Corn, Elias from Nonpoint, 
Mikey from Islanders, Sonny from POD, and Rich Ward from Fozzie and Stuck Mojo, just to name a few. Check out Good Company on any social media outlet under Good Company with Bowling or go to www.scottgoodcompany.com. And finally, Boku Superfoods, the purest, most potent, and delicious certified organic, kosher, and vegan superfood blends on the planet. Boku Superfood is changing the game for thousands of people in 65 countries with their incredible formulated powders that you just add any liquid to and make the healthiest drinks or smoothies in the world. Just go to BokuSuperfood.com. That's B-O-K-U Superfood.com. Look for the three-pack trial. Enter the promo code Barry at checkout. Just pay a minimal shipping fee and get a full week's supply of Boku Superfood for free. I guarantee you'll look and feel better and understand why Boku is the number one family-owned superfood company in the world. And here's a preview of the next very special episode. The Best of 2018, Part 1. Featuring over 10 different artists, including Bobby Lee. You have to walk through fear. At the end of the day, yes, I have PTSD about going into auditions. Yes, doing stand-up is difficult. And it's, it's a grind, right? But I still did those things. Without doing those things, there is no end product. Marcus King. Do your research. Know who came before you and know what they did well and know what they didn't do well. Know how trends are changing and be part of what changes the trend. So that means you have to be bold about the moves you make because the moves you make may change a trend, may change the way things are done. Jordan Harbinger. When we're older, we see that there are millions of options for things that you can do even creating your own. But if you're going to create your own life, your own destiny, if you will, you have to stack those skills up and you have to get the skills before you can stack them. So start stacking those skills now by getting opportunities, seeing opportunities in everything that you're doing. The Kenya Barris. Don't let people tell you that your story is not interesting. Um, talk about your story from a way that people don't think you're going to come at it. Go behind it, you know what I'm saying? Get on the side of it. Tell the devil's in the details. Tell your story, whatever your position or your place is in life, whatever your particular thing is, it's amazing. And there's a way that you do it in a way that people don't see coming. And then all of a sudden, think the thing that was abnormal becomes normal. And many, many more. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money, drive that fancy car. All the people love you, cause you're going far. Life is for the dreamers, they have. It's never quite over So it all feels the same You pick your own poison Dig your own grave Down in the valley 
Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.